it struck me like real hard. Like, cause I've heard the story, the storyline of people feeling like they're caged and feeling you're not expanding. You're not growing. We all have that, I think, common feeling. I don't think anybody is just mm-hmm. above that. Mm-hmm. But the way she spun it with mm-hmm. the gratefulness and how that contrasts, like you should right. be grateful. But wait a second. No, I want to expand and grow and be wild. I want to go hunt. No, no, just be grateful. Well, wait. Yeah. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. All right, Diane, we are on episode 20 and we're pulling an audible today and we're not going with nothing to lose and the danger of success. We're going rogue today. We're going rogue, off-road. And... um, we decided to go with, we're going to call this one Cheetah. Yeah. And it's based on a book. Well, it's the prologue of a book that you recommended to me and an author that you got me into. And then you read it faster than I am. Like I'm still in the middle of it and you're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I listen to it on Audible. So <laughs> I just literally have it in my ears as I'm walking throughout the day, you know. Uh-huh. So... I think it's you get through a book a lot faster just by listening to it. So the book is called Untamed, and the author is Glennon Doyle. Glennon Doyle, right? Her first book was, or her most famous book is Love Warrior, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so this book's called Untamed, and so yeah, I'm running one morning and I'm listening to this book, and so the prologue's it's called Cheetah, and basically in a nutshell, it's a comparison of it's talking about how there's this cheetah at a zoo and mm-hmm. it's talking about how it's caged and it's basically grown up with a Labrador and basically thinks it's a Labrador and is trained as, yeah. as a Labrador retriever trained and to be cute and cuddly and yeah. Right. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's only function every day is they, they have this Jeep with like this, pink bunny that's a dirty, the, pink bunny. dirty pink bunny attached <laughs> to the back of it. And then the, the Jeep takes off and the Labrador first chases after it. And then once the Labrador is done doing that, then they pull out the cheetah. Yep. Ah, and so it goes on and it's just a comparison of how as people, as humans, she says women, we say humans. Um, we say human. Yeah. And men and women. Because I completely related to the story. Mm-hmm. We all live in these kinds of cages. And so when she's talking about looking at the cheetah, she's has a conversation at the end with the cheetah, which this is the part that really kind of brought it home. Mm-hmm. She's having a conversation, like talking to the cheetah. And the cheetah's looking around and the cheetah's like, there's something wrong in my life. Like something's off. There's something missing. And yeah. I have this like dream, this kind of imagination of being out in the wild and hunting and killing and 
sleeping under an ink black sky and like just mm-hmm. being wild. Mm-hmm. And then it turns and the, and this, again, this is like the cheetah talking and the cheetah looks back at the bars and looks back at the zoo and the back at, you know, his caretakers and says, well, you know, I do have a pretty good, I should be grateful for what I have. Uh, what dangerous words. I should be grateful. Yeah. I should be grateful. But we always think that those words are so important, right? Like in one context, you're like, well, if you're grateful, then that's what, you know, happiness comes from being grateful for the things that you have. Right. And so that's why like these weird dichotomies, when I think of that and I think of it in the context of the story, I was like, I had a tough time having my mind like come to some conclusion with that. I'm like, wait a second. I thought being grateful was good. Mm. But in this context, it's not. Now you're just, you're in your cage, you're in your prison, you're in your jail. Mm -hmm. And so the whole quote or the whole prologue ends with, that she's saying, am I crazy? Like, am I completely crazy? I should be grateful for what I have. Look at what I have. Yeah. And then, you know, Glennon Doyle says, no, you're not crazy. You're a goddamn cheetah. Yeah. And so just kind of, yeah. So then, you know, of course, it brings me to that quote by Thoreau. Most men live lives of quiet desperation. Uh, a lot of men do. And, yeah. Yeah. It's very Which common. Is sad. It's very sad. And a lot of women do too. Yeah, it's like the again, you were were able to tolerate a chronic level of pain, Ugh. you know, a chronic kind of disease. Yeah. Yes. Because we're unwilling to be wild, like we're unwilling, we've lost Yeah. You know, we were in these unfulfilling jobs or family situations. Relationships. Or relationships. <laughs> it's like it's good enough. It's like, well, hold on. Like, I'm not interested in fine. Fine. That's the worst word. Fine. I'm fine. That's an awful word. I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Fine. Ugh. Yeah. It's just like this unshakable restlessness and like this feeling that like there's something off with your life. Mm -hmm. Like I'm on this treadmill to nowhere. I got... Like I feel like I have more potential than I'm expressing or allowing myself to express. Yeah. And my my whole life is just like, you know, a repetitive routine, you know, like vanilla bland, like bland, bland, (laughs) got it. (laughs) Yeah. But this is the challenge. So like, what do you do with that? Like, you know, in your your case, Uh you know, you're a writer, you know, so you become a writer, you go from a real estate agent to a writer. (laughs) Well, and so when I actively stepped into considering what dating would look like post-divorce, I've always been a writer. I've just not been willing to admit. Like, Mm. I can't not write. I mean, writing is therapy for me. Like, but I denied it for almost 40 years of my life until I opened myself up to considering dating. And then I was like, oh, Mm. well, look at that. This career that I've been in, real estate for 15 years, (laughs) like, it's not actually a passion project of mine. Yeah. Writing is. And how do you bridge the gap between? calling something a hobby and then like morphing that into like something that generates money is a profession. Like that's <laughs> right. It's a career. Yeah. I had no idea there were ghostwriters all over the planet. Like there are people ghostwriting every day. Like even when it comes to like things like music, like song lyrics, people ghostwrite for each other all the time. Mm-hmm. So just because someone is a great singer, doesn't mean they're a great song lyricist. Yes. And it's like playing to your strengths. Like, where are your strengths? Mine lies with words. 
Yeah. Not, I mean, I enjoy showing houses. I like looking at houses and I find it entertaining. Mm. <laughs> it's not a passion of mine. Like playing with words is. Yeah. How, how do you take it from, like, like you said, like you say this a lot about, it, you know, why can't your passions and hobbies be, you know, the center of your life? Right. Why do they have to be like these on the periphery yeah just sort of well because we were taught as children i think at least this was my experience that well hobbies are just for fun yeah they can't be career i lived my life that way for almost 40 years and then as soon as i opened up to stepping into embracing what i'm really passionate about all these realizations like i had no idea there was such a strong literary community in charlotte Mm. It was like it was there all the time. I just wasn't ready to actually recognize it. What one of the fears I have with trying to make things that I love into something that's, you know, income generating or mm-hmm. you know, more of the center of my life is that I don't want to like ruin them. Like I don't want to get sick of them or ah. have pressure on them to be something that like at first, you know, for me, like, you know, playing drums, music, mm-hmm. now writing and doing this podcast, mm-hmm. like I enjoy doing it. It's fun. It's an outlet. It's yeah. expressive. It's healing. But if you have to do it eight hours a day, every day, <laughs> you know, like what, what does it become? Like I would, But who set, who wrote those the eight hours? Of, exactly. I, who wrote the roles? Damn, that like, damn freaking movie, Nine to Five. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> with this too like deep issues with this like when you take a step back it's like wait who wrote the fucking rule book why can't we write a new one yeah like that's part of what i think we're doing right now in our culture in the united states anyways like this rule book hasn't been working for us men or women like you know what how about we throw it out and write a new one yeah and i I was listening to something today that was talking about how this work from home idea (laughs) is literally going to take hold now because We were forced into it, right? Uh Uh-huh. And this guy was talking about, this is on the Sam Harris podcast. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how you could be so much more productive working from home. There's so much wasted time like in an office. Yeah. Not only just the commuting alone, of course, that's non-productive time. But like just the the little interactions, the toggling between things, if you can... Mm-hmm. allow people to work from home. And he has like these five different levels. And like level five is like literally you're just getting so much more done and you have more free time. And it's yeah, in his mind, it's like the perfection of you never really attain exactly that, but mm-hmm. um, this level five kind of working from home dynamic. Well, the whole gig economy is huge and it's only going to get bigger. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, we, again, it, we, he says the nine to five thing or like the idea that you have to be in an office came from like the industrial revolution where we had like factories. Right. And if you, if you weren't in the factory, then you're not working. It's like, and we just completely just stayed in that train of thought. Yeah. But the whole freelance and even like in writing my, um, and self-publishing my first memoir, mm-hmm. I've hired people, people have worked on my first memoir that I have never physically met in person. Mm-hmm. Some I've never even had a phone conversation with. Yeah. And that's the beauty of technology, I think. And that's what I think a lot of people are coming. I can't tell you how many like, things on Instagram I've seen about people on zoom calls. I'm like, dude, we've been doing this. Where you been? Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Yeah. And perfect place to put a shout out to Virginia Elder, who produces this podcast. Yes. Yes. I found her on Upwork. Yeah. She's in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> We're in Charlotte. She's in Texas. Yeah. She's awesome. She's amazing. I mean, yeah. she just takes care of everything. It's like, we do this, we do our recording. I shoot it off to her and she puts it all together. She's highly detail oriented. So meticulous. She's great. On it. On it. Yep. So yeah, Virginia Elder, if you ever want somebody, no, I shouldn't be announcing this. I want her to myself. I don't want, I, <laughs> I don't want to share. <laughs> um, but you're right. Like, so think about how many jobs that you need a computer, you need a phone. Right. I mean, literally you can do your job from anywhere. Yeah. Any hotel, any... Well, and that's the be- and that's part of what I'm so in love with about writing is it's completely location independent. Yes. Real estate is sort of, but you're still tied physically to being with people. Yes. And that's a part that I actually really do enjoy is the people aspect of it. But the writing is just the expansiveness of that. Like I could literally run away to Asheville and just go hide somewhere in the mountains mm-hmm. and write. And I could work from anywhere. Yeah. I could work from anywhere. You could rent a place for two months and just live somewhere else. And it's intoxicating. It's like, oh, imagine the possibilities. It's totally. like, I was in New Orleans. I was in Asheville recently. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about, to take this back to the cheetah story, mm-hmm. we've talked about, you and I have different perspectives, but men and women at some point in their lives end up hitting the same brick wall we just are coming at it from different directions. Like women are indoctrinated as children still in our culture to sit down and shut up, to stay small, to not outshine anybody around us. And men are told boys don't cry. Yeah. And then we get to a certain point in life where we, some of us end up picking our heads up. Like this isn't working for me. You know? Yeah. We end up at the same place. Like you, so you, women right. come from it. Yeah, like you said, being small, being being the be the helper, take care of everybody else. What the fuck? Right. Like, none of us are told to take care of ourselves first. Like we're not taught this. Yes. We're told to be the caregiver and the nurturer and the one being last, basically, not being not even on our own list of people to to nurture and support. And men are told to not feel emotion or not acknowledge emotion and to be the producer and the, yeah, just the productive. The, stuff it, yeah. stuff it down uh, at all yeah. costs. Do not show this to the public. Right. I mean, I was told, I was right. literally told that as a kid in no uncertain words. Like my parents basically said that, like, you don't show emotion. You, you just don't do it. <laughs> not in public. You don't do that. And so this quote that I, I ran across, which is a beautiful yet, very sad quote that I think applies to a lot of men in our society. Just to, You find good quotes too. I love that. It puts it in perspective for me. There have been so many times I have seen a man wanting to weep, but instead beat his heart until it was unconscious. Mm. Yeah. So like the idea is just like stuff it down at all costs, stuff it down. Don't feel it. Think about like, that's the mortal sin. So that's like the worst sin is to like, for a man. Is having emotions. <laughs> right. It's having emotions or expressing emotions. Well, no, but you're right. Maybe, it, no, maybe you're right. Maybe it's the shame of even having them. Because I think that's what men feel. Yeah. It's not even, we've already like closed off. So we're not showing it to anybody. But if we feel it inside, we're like, fucking stuff it down. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's the contrast? Society's telling you to be small, that it's about your appearance. Sit down and shut up. You know? Mm-hmm. 
young yeah. is well, I guess to not stand out, to not own your brilliance, to not make other people feel bad. Mm. Like I bought into it. I'm the oldest of four kids. Like I was a good girl. Yeah. The achiever, check the marks, get the good grades, be the helper, be a little mom. And then what happens? So you turn 40, right? 36. Uh, 36. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some sort of turning point here, right? And th- where yeah. you're like, this is not working for me. This is not what I want for my life. Like, yeah. No, who's taking care of me? Mm-hmm. No one. Right. It's if we're not taking care of ourselves, what are we waiting for? Who are we waiting for? Yeah. And, and it seems to be, it happens like at the same time period for lot many people like well being you in particular i mean mid 30s yeah. early 40s is where you start to realize you're like i'm halfway through my shit here you know or close to it <laughs> i got to like and it's not really yeah i'm living in this paradigm that's not working right but again it loops back to like the 9 to 5 it's like you're just living in these old paradigms stories they're just stories. They're just stories. But we believe them. We buy into them as kids and we adopt them as truth. And then we hit a certain point in the middle of life. <laughs> so it's like, this doesn't feel good. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel good to be constantly worried about everybody else's well being. Yeah. Like the wild is beaten out of you, basically. Yeah. So, like that cheetah story, basically, you know, the cheetah grew up with a Labrador retriever. And was trained in the, the moral model. inside the yeah. confines of a zoo and did the same thing every day. To chase like, this is, pink bunnies. Yeah. And that's <laughs> be grateful for what you have. We just threw you a steak on the dirt floor. Right. Like, Get used to those. Yeah, yeah. You better love those bars, right? Yeah. Be <laughs> grateful for those bars. They're protecting you, right? Look how comfortable you are. It's like, yeah, but comfort isn't where creativity lies. It's not where passion lies. But there is a place for being grateful, right? So, I mean, there is a place. I think there's a place for appreciation. Mm -hmm. Like, I can appreciate my bed. I can appreciate that I have a safe home. I can appreciate my car. Like, I can appreciate things. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that I don't want to keep reaching for more. Yeah. That makes sense. And growing and expanding and learning. Well, again, it's the growth, the the progress, right? Progress, not perfection. Yes. Recovering perfection. <laughs> it's like, who are you? <laughs> I don't recognize you anymore. Not perfection. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talked about that it's the journey. It's not the destination. It's about the experience, not reaching. It's not about the it's goal. It's not the end it's goal. The it's the process, right? It's. I always think right. about falling in love with the process, you know? Mm. Like the best people at anything are in process. Like I always think of speaking of writers, like a Stephen King. Yeah. I'd listened to like a little blurb about him that he just for, I don't know, the last 30 years he's been writing, you know, from like six in the morning to like one in the afternoon. I forgot the actual hours, but he has this routine that he's done for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading about it and people were like making comments like, well, that's because he's Stephen King and he's a famous author and he has the, He's allowed to do that because he doesn't have to work a regular job. I'm like, well, maybe he doesn't work a regular job. Maybe it's the reverse. Maybe like he, since he was. Maybe it's the opposite. Yeah. (laughs) Go figure, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like the cart before the horse kind of like, wait a second. The opposite of what we've been taught by our society. Did the routine create success or because he had success, he was allowed to do the routine. I think it's 
the routine. Practice. I mean, think yeah. of anybody that's great at anything. Practice, consistency, process. Well, with even playing the drums. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could do it once a week mm-hmm. and yeah, you'll get it a little bit better. But if you do it, you know, five. You could do it 12 hours a day. I don't know. That doesn't feel like a fun way to live. Unsustainable, right? Yeah. Well, that's a critical word. Yeah, sustainability. Circle it back to being the little kids that, you know, now we've been taught, you you were taught to be small. I was taught to stuff my Mm -hmm. emotions. It just just (laughs) goes to show you how impressionable we are as kids and how you hold on to that your entire life. I know we're like, yeah, we're in our it's 40s. like a tape running in the background. Yeah. yeah, And, and it's constant. impacting our adulthood. It's like, like whose story, this is one of my favorite questions ever. Whose story is this? Mm-hmm. Whose story is it? Yeah. And like maybe, and maybe we have like unreasonable expectations, but I don't think you 100% get over these stories. They're always in the <laughs> background. You, you can catch them and I think you could work with them. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's kind of like the idea like we talk about grief a lot. Like, I think we have this idea that like you overcome grief. Like, oh, oh I'm done. I, I finally got to this moment of acceptance and oh. now grief is over. I'm like, that's bullshit. I can personally attest. To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Likewise, I can too. Yeah. It just... I literally spent the first, we're recording this in early April. I spent the first half of March just crying, like just feeling emotion. And I was like, where did this come from? I thought I was like beyond this. I thought I was good. I thought I was done. But I had done it. Yeah. And then it hit me and I'm just like, oh my God, all of the things. Yeah. Yeah. And then the collective grief happened and that was the second half of March. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah, because it's not like an intellectual exercise that you can just get rid of it. It's, it's you can't check it's the box. in you, right? It's, it's it's there. It comes up. It's. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, I was waiting. I was at a park not long ago, waiting for some friends, and I can feel other people's energy, mm-hmm. and so I'm very aware of other people around me having been assaulted a year ago. Um, and some guy was started walking toward me and I like literally was like, I need, I want to remove myself. I want distance between you and me. I don't want you near me. I want other people between us. And it's just interesting like to get, I still get triggered Yes, in unexpected ways by something that happened more than a year ago. Well, it's, I mean, it's a form of PTSD. I mean, it's basically you were assaulted. Yes. You were assaulted. Yeah. I mean, it's like being in a war and... Yeah. People are shooting at you. <laughs> How are you supposed to react to that? So you can just walk through life right. after that, like, oh, like, you know, whistling Dixie and like not looking over your shoulder. Like everything's fine. It's all rainbows and butterflies. No, it's yeah. not. Nope. Nope. There's a lot of, there's a violent undercurrent to the city yeah. where you and I both live. That it's interesting. Cause I think we talked, did we talk about this? That I, I didn't recognize how deep the violent energy was until I was in the mountains recently. You did mention that. And came back to Charlotte. Like I'm in And I think I the city yeah. limits like for like 3 minutes. I'm driving this Renault car and I'm like 3 minutes back in Charlotte and I'm wanting to like literally scream at other drivers. Yeah. And I was like where is this rage coming it from? It feels like a little bit like at a fever pitch kind of. You just like whoa, yeah. wait. It's it's way intense like it's Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has a higher frequency, but there's like a higher idling. Yeah, you know, you're idling at a higher level here. 
where like you go to the mountains, it's just slower. Yeah, like hypervigilance. Chill. It's just chill. I was like, I feel so peaceful. I was walking around outside. Yeah, yeah. And I come back to mm-hmm. Charlotte, I don't want to rage nope. at all the other drivers on the road. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is happening? Like, huh. yeah. Uh, I just had a lovely two days. <laughs> so circling it back to, yeah, the, the cheetah story, it was just, yeah. it struck me like real hard. Like, cause I've heard the story, the storyline of people feeling like they're caged and feeling you're not expanding. You're not growing. We all have that, I think, common feeling. I don't think anybody is just mm-hmm. above that, mm-hmm. but the way she spun it with mm-hmm. the gratefulness and how that contrasts, like you should right. be grateful but wait a second. No, I want to expand and grow and be wild. I want to go hunt. Oh, no, no. Just be grateful. Well, wait. Yeah. I always thought grateful was good. I was trying to wrap my head around and come to, come to some sort of like logical conclusion to how could I be grateful and be expanding at the same time? So be grateful for what you have, but it's also okay to progress and mm-hmm. grow. And mm-hmm. I think it, and again, ongoing process, right? It's one of those things you're going to be toggling between the two. I don't think one's better than the other. I think they're both important. Mm-hmm. But in the context of her story, it really like drove it home for me where I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. We all have some sort of like cages that were created when we were kids. Ways in which we are allowing ourselves to be tamed. Yeah. Yeah. And Again, like no, no disparity to my, like my parents. I mean, it's, they knew what they knew. They did what they did they, the best that they could. Yeah. Who, who the fuck? I mean, I can't even imagine what their parents did to them. You know, it's like, I think. Oh, the trauma that they inflicted on them. Oh, it's a whole lot. It's a whole history of trauma. We've all been traumatized. Yeah. Like, yeah. The ancestral crap. Yeah. yeah. And then you, you hit like, yeah. but the thing is with my parents, like they hit like their forties and fifties, like they weren't having conversations like we're having. They weren't talking through their. <laughs> They weren't talking through their shit. They were just like, freaking push that thing down. Even my my mom had more of like that. I mean, my mom and my dad both had that stuff your emotion kind of thing. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I think women today are more free to show their emotions. Definitely in comparison to men uh, publicly. Yeah, you know, I would agree. But I think that's got to change. I mean, that's got to change. I don't have a son. I, I couldn't imagine you know, having a son and just seeing what I say, you know, sometimes see, you know, like somebody like a parent yelling at their kid on the football field, you know, oh, or like yeah. that kind of thing, or like, you know, get up, you know? Yeah. Just the whole idea that like, you know, you have to prove something and you have to be a man and yeah. Yeah. And I have several nephews and it's like, wow. I mean, I feel for my siblings raising them. I'm like, fun with that task. Cause Yeah. And I have several nephews that are highly sensitive, like yeah. highly sensitive and very introverted. And I'm like, okay. Because I think the thing is, I mean, yeah, we have different body parts, but we have the same freaking insides. I mean, it's like our insides are the same. Like, <laughs> but when you try to make it seem like we're not like, you know, like, no, you're not the same. You're a man and you're a woman and you feel two different things. Right. And- we focus on the differences. Yeah. Yeah. But like we're people at the core, right? We have a emo- we all have emotions. It's humanity. It's not like, like men have like, no emotions, women have all the emotions. <laughs> like, no, we all have I them. mean, there are men that don't have any emotions that terrify me because they're psychopaths. <laughs> Sociopaths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of scary. Women too. Women like, too. Help me in the next room. <laughs> yeah, women yeah. too. 
And women can have, you know, achievement and goals and productivity. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you integrate and marry and blend both sides? Like we each have masculine and feminine energy within us. Yes. It's all about integrating those aspects of ourselves. Yeah. And it's a constant, I mean, it's, it's never a perfect equilibrium. I mean, it's a, you're swaying one way to the other. We're doing and the best that we pendulum can. Pendulum <laughs> keeps going and you're just trying to work with right. it. Yeah. It's a powerful story. Yeah. And it really makes you consider, you know, the ways in which, where am I holding myself back? Yeah. And where am I allowing myself to be caged? It choked me up because like it, it the image, she's a great writer. I mean, the imagery she puts, like she puts you right in, you're right in there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when she's talking about like the cheetahs like scanning the horizon, yeah, and that this wild like eye comes out like she's remembering something, yeah, like she's remembering a past that she never had, but it's just part of her. It's instinctive, she, instinctive, yeah, yeah, that's in there, and like, but you just keep pushing it down, like, nope, this is good enough. I'm just gonna keep chasing the pink bunny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. I think not funny, but I, I think like when I, I used to be into like watching war movies mm. and I remember watching one that kind of described the reason why, you know, they put like 17 and 18 year old men, you know, on the front lines is because they don't have any fear. They don't know what's coming. Uh, you know, you don't put 30 year old men on the front lines because they're not going. <laughs> they, they know what's coming. <laughs> You know, so it's sort of like when you're young perspective, that life experience. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I can't date men younger than myself. I'm like, dude. (laughs) Right. That's wild. (laughs) A wild in a negative context. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That brings me back to like all these like bro movies like Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that's a great one. I haven't seen that in forever. And it's just that Morgan Freeman line. He's talking about mm-hmm. Tim Robbins' character, Andy Dufresne. Well, he's he's like narrating and he's saying he's like, some birds, some birds' feathers are just too bright. Like they have to fly. Huh. Like they're so bright. Like they just, they can't be contained. They can't be caged. Mm. I thought that was like a kind of beautiful like imagery of mm-hmm. kind of the human spirit, the kind of what you want to, like when you feel like this, cow just standing in the rain and just like that Eeyore character just you know uh, I guess this is just as good what as it it's is. gonna get <laughs> yeah. to bring my ex-husband into today's conversation <laughs> yes <laughs> so I was at my sister and brother-in-law's wedding and I was and I texted my ex-husband and it was beautiful they'd rented this gorgeous house and so I texted my ex a picture of the house. And I was like, Hey, you know, how are you? What are you doing? And he writes back, wasting my life. (laughs) Whoa. The perfect Eeyore line, right? Like, all right. I don't know what to say to that. (laughs) As Glennon Doyle says in her book, take your meds, will you? And continue to take them. (laughs) I wish his second wife well. The moral of this whole story to me, like the, what I got out of it was like, you choose to suffer, right? It's a choice. It's a decision. Right. Yeah. I mean, pain is not a choice. Suffering is a choice. 
So, so there's pains, there's, there's the world's coming at you. Right. And so things are going to hurt you, Yeah. but it's your choice to continue to suffer. And as to how long you choose to continue to suffer, like how long grief and trauma are coming for all of us. The details look different, but it's just a matter of how we choose to navigate through and then beyond them. Yeah. I heard it put a cool way too, that like grief, like all the heavy emotions of life, you can't understand them until they're happening to you. Like it's, <laughs> they're the biggest yeah. when they're happening to you. And that's the only time they are big. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we talk about like, you can't have this competition, you know, because somebody had, you know, their parent die right. is not the same as losing a child, you know, any other different or, losing a child right. or an assault. Like they're all, there's no, ranking scale like yeah there's no ranking scale we're all traumatized and like we're all traumatized by life yeah all of us every human and the worst traumas are the ones that you're going through right <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's like it's a personal thing it's a it's a subjective experience it's not right so this psychologist this guy I was talking to you about uh Elizabeth Kubler Ross's protege I forgot his name but it was on the Brene Brown podcast. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. talking about grief and he's talking about how he had his, his son died at 21. Mm. He didn't go into how or why, but he said he, he was on the road. He was on at some conference. He gets a phone call. His son died. Wow. And the grief that he went through with that. And he'd been a psychiatrist for 30 years. And what he said was, mm-hmm. which struck me, he said that he wanted to write a letter to every one of his patients over the last 30 years, just saying, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Huh. You know? So it was like, whoa. Like, he had that moment of... That level of understanding. Like, wow, this just is awful. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know. Like, I didn't understand. How could you? How could you know? You can't. I mean, and you can't fully walk in somebody else's shoes. As much as you can be empathetic, and I'm an empath myself. I can't walk anybody else's path for them. Yeah. We've each got to walk our own path. And like we've talked about, like until you divorce, you don't understand what that process is like, like until you go through it, whatever it looks like for you. So I wonder, is it possible to have like a deep level of empathy if you haven't experienced a lot of, you know, things in your life? I think it's almost impossible. I mean, at me at 20. There's a lot of very unempathetic people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be, once you go through like all these like different crucibles of your life, you're like, oh, I get it. Oh, oh. I get uh, All right. I get it. <laughs> and you're kind of like, and then when you see somebody else going through it, you're like, yep, I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not mm-hmm. the same, but I remember like what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about like the ability to hold space for other people. Yeah. Like people just tell me shit everywhere I go. I'm like, yeah, let me just therapist everyone. Like one of the the most common things people say about me, they're like, it's just so easy to be around you. Mm. Yeah. 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 I've heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Like who's going to therapist me? Like I'm holding space for everybody else Uh. in the world. I'm like, hold on. But there are people like you're one of the people that hold space for me really well. And there's a few others in my life too. Yeah. The people I'll call once I pick myself up from crying on the kitchen floor. Yeah. But not everyone does that holding space naturally because people want to rush in and fix things. It's like, yeah, just witness. 
I think they're so self-involved. They're in their own head. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a question of focus, right? I mean, holding space to me is just being focused present, out of your own head and present in the moment with the other person. Mm. Imagine that. Where you could engage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put yeah. down the phone. Like... Walk away from it. Yeah. Or even like the little glances at the phone. Like I, I always say like the Dalai Lama, they say like people that meet him mm-hmm. are amazed at the kind of concentration and focus he has on the moments. Like when he's talking to someone, he's really talking to that person. Mm-hmm. He's not distracted by all these other things. It's mm-hmm. just everything he's doing, every moment of his life seems to be very focused in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare. Like it's very rare to find a person like that. Or even a person that can do that most of the time or <laughs> have it. <laughs> I don't always get it right. Sometimes I screw it up, but. No, I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you're just not in the right place. Or you're sleep deprived or. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hungover. <laughs> oh my God. We'll discuss what hours of the night I was up last night. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 3 a.m. and I are intimately acquainted lately 3 a.m just it's been a year 2020 <laughs> it's been really has yeah been a long year it's only april yeah it's only april. <laughs> 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 like could i have my birthday month back oh uh, mine was oh. march yeah yeah march was started off okay it went to shit real quick <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I was crying when I posted that meme about 2020 being canceled. <laughs> oh God. Could we really just start with 2021 on Monday? Like, let's all just agree. Do over. Up. Let's just have 2020. Please do over. Woo. Yeah. Time out, you know? Yeah. Yes. Well, the earth has been fed up and we've all been sent to our rooms to think about what we have done and how we have treated the planet. Mm. Like, hmm. That's interesting. We need to be quiet with ourselves. Yeah. Even the introverts, like my brother-in-law is like, I'm good. No people. I'm like, I am losing my mind right now. Like, please, someone talk to me. I guess I didn't realize how isolated my my life (laughs) is. Like, so, because not much has changed for me, but just that extra level of like, now I can't even walk near anybody. Like, the defiant part of me is like, like you can't tell me what to do like yes all these restrictions i don't deal well with being treated like a child clearly as last march demonstrated like when i had people around me like no you're not allowed to be alone now the opposite is true i'm like i just want to be with people i know (laughs) (laughs) oh man i oh the irony i'm like oh isn't it interesting? So like, that's why they say like, you know, a solitary confinement is like such it's torture the worst for form most of people. Torture. <laughs> but for, but on the flip side, for somebody that's like a seasoned meditator, like it's joy. Like it's I joyful. like being alone. I love living alone. Like I was actually having a conversation with another divorced friend. And I'm like, isn't right now making you really seriously consider whether you could ever live with somebody else? And they were like, yeah, because I don't know how people with kids are doing this. I don't know how people who are unhappily married are doing this. Like, Yeah. Yeah. yeah divorce, the divorce rates skyrocket. <laughs> <Just> skyrocket. <laughs> Thanks, 2020. Like I was literally thinking about getting my volleyball and just painting a face on it like Wilson <laughs> and freaking Castaway and just talking to it in the corner. I'm like, I got nobody to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have the cat, so that I have 
awful recently. The other day I asked one of the cats, I was like, could you love me from across the room? Like I've really had enough. I'm like walking outside to just get away from them. Like, too much. Too much together. <laughs> like I was walking out the door to go to the grocery store and I look at the one cat, George. I was like, mom needs a break. I'll be back later. <laughs> I'll see you in a little bit. Like, God. Yeah. I find myself going to the grocery store a lot. Yes. Like I'm, I'm there almost every day. Yeah. I'm like, uh-huh. I just got to get out. Just walk I the aisles. Like go to Walmart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just walk around. See people. Let me be around people. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, we don't have to talk. Everybody's got their masks on now too. Yes. I don't know if you've seen this. I went to Whole Foods. Like 50% of the people had masks. So mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even have words. <laughs> like, anyway. This is, I told somebody, I'm like, this is why I don't write fiction. Because like, I'm a storyteller. I couldn't make this shit up. Like, what's happening in the world right now? Like, I mean, just like two months ago. Imagine like even like thinking this would happen two months ago. You know, like it was not even on the radar. Like I had so many plans. Talk about grief. I'm like, I'm grieving all the plans that I had for this month that, yeah, got canceled. I'm like, well, that's not happening anymore. That's interesting. So yeah, it is kind of like a group kind of like, like a collective trauma, collective community grieving. Yeah. When you're empathic and sensitive, like I can feel it and I I have to be careful with myself because it could overwhelm me. Like me too. feel it. And it's a lot. It's just a lot. And it's not. And when it's even like, I don't know anybody that's sick. Like I don't have anybody close to me. That's like, it's just this feeling, like you said, it's like this sense of like, lo- yeah, loss. But mm-hmm. I'm like, but but they're wait. I'm I'm seeing it on TV. Like, what's really going on here? And yeah, allowing ourselves to just feel like allowing myself to feel angry that my fucking birthday month got canceled. I'm like, yeah, I was really looking forward to this one. Like, yeah, because last year's birthday got canceled too. And I'm like, wait, just a minute. Like, this is so wrong on so many levels. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. And it's okay to feel angry about that and upset. And I think there's a lot of other people feeling the same way, you know? So it's like, we're all feeling very similar kind of emotions, but then it kind of like, it goes back to the story of the cheetah. It's like, everybody feels like somewhat caged at this point. <laughs> like literally, oh my, oh my you know, God, like, we're yeah, we're like all like scratching at the walls trying to get like, what the hell? Like, like can I just, yeah, go to Harris here. And you just keep getting like new news reports, like, well, another month. Uh, Got to stay in another month. What? Another month? What happened to two weeks? Now it's another. <laughs> We're all caged cheetahs right now, clawing at the bars of our confines. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's give Glennon another plug. So Glennon Doyle. Yes. Her book is called Untamed. And this was our kind of take on just our prologue called Cheetah, which struck a chord. Mm-hmm. Did you send me? Just the title of the book, and did you send me something about the cheetah? No, I, I think didn't no. Mention. You sent me the podcasts with Brene Brown. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's Which, the one. Check that I listen out to too, that. Anything Brene Brown does in the world, just everyone should be consuming that. Like, yeah, I had already listened to Brene's podcast, one of the episodes, and then a friend texted me like, "Did you see this?" I'm like, "How has she not been doing this like all along?" Yeah, but yeah. So the conversation between Brene and Glennon. So what was, there was one point in their conversation where Glennon said that there is no one way liberation. When we free ourselves 
we automatically extend permission for other people to free themselves and liberate themselves. Mm. When we uncage ourselves, it's not one way. It's always reciprocal, which I love that. That's funny you said, because I thought from what I can remember, it was sort of like the idea that to go like to make the one choice, you have to destroy something else. Mm. Like you have to like destroy your past life to have a new life. Like you can't you have... kill off your old self. Do you know yeah. how many old selves in the <laughs> There's the married version. There's the good girl. Oh yeah. Uh, the list goes on and on. How many yeah. identities I have killed. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I'm willing to show up and have conversations without much of a framework. is like my old self would be horrified. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is what 40 looks like. 40. This is what 40 looks like. Yeah. Uncaged, untamed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Diane, all right. It was a good one. And again, this was Cheetah. And uh, so this was episode 20. I can't believe we've been through 20 episodes already. <sighs> We're going to get back to the Time blog. Time when you're having fun and you're in social quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll probably pump out another few during this quarantine. Mm -hmm. So we'll get back on track next week. Maybe we'll get back to nothing to lose and the danger of success. We'll see. Whatever. (laughs) We'll do whatever we want. (laughs) We're writing our own rules. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Please come follow us, faconfessions.com. Like, subscribe, share, review. Follow. Yeah. Glad we pulled that audible today. <laughs> we needed to do that. Yep. Therapeutic. All right. All right, Al. Great conversation. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>